Hey guys, this is Heroes Home Base Podcast, episode 18. Alright guys, thanks for hanging out with us for another episode. This is Rich. This is Rob. This is Mark. Episode 18 already. Kind of hard to believe. Feeling pretty good about it. I'm loving it. Got my Angel Envy with my little Pepsi Mini. Got me some Pepsi Minis over the weekend. I can't drink that shit straight. Mm -mm. Am I just talking to myself? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking it straight. Four Roses, single barrel. What do you got now? What do you have now in I addition have to that? Four Roses, single barrel, an old Ezra number seven year, and then I've got a new Riff single barrel. And that's... What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Bourbon. Bourbon. Oh, I was like, what the hell? What the fuck? <laughs> you got a gun collection now? Single barrel. What the I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do today, Rob? Um, I did not do much of anything this weekend. I've been kind of relaxed and. I worked yesterday from five from um five to nine, and today I just stayed in the house. I read. Oh my god, I love to read. It's a good hobby. I started reading the uh, Batman and Psychology book um yesterday. I've been really enjoying it. Oh, nice. Now that I'm working from home and having to sit on my bar stool table for so long, it's not so bad anymore. So that's why I'm sitting up tonight because I'm like I got used to it. You have to sit here for half the damn day for work. Uh, my ass hurts just thinking about that, Mark. But no, I'm used to it now. It's wonderful. I feel so professional. You get you a chair, a lounger, my friend. Right. I made these gar. Oh my fucking god! I'm such a good cook. Oh my god! I made these garlic <laughs> steak bites, but it's not until I'm not having. I'm just having it tomorrow. Wait, why are you laughing? <laughs> You're like, oh my god! I'm so good. I am because I'm. It's for dinner tomorrow night. I hope it's steak bite. So I put some steak, sirloin steak, cut up in cubes and marinated in olive oil, butter, and garlic in the pan. And they're like little bites with lemon spaghetti and roasted broccoli. I can't even stand it. <laughs> Sounds like a blue apron meal there, sir. It's fucking blue apron. It's fucking all colors of aprons. And it's fucking, um, my fucking no bake peanut butter pie is a shit ass fucking bomb. Oh my God. Shit ass fucking bomb. This shit ass fucking bomb. This pie is so fucking good. I can't even stand so, it. Oh do you God. still go to the store and get your <laughs> you still go to your work at Whole Foods and get yourself that turd shit dip out of the nut aisle? <laughs> no, we're out because we can't get anywhere because of the fucking coronavirus. Because like, oh my God, Mark, it looks like you just squeezed out dog shit out of a squeezy bottle and you're eating that. Chocolate, chocolate chips and peanut butter ground together. That's not what it looked like. It looked like straight up diarrhea. I love that this is like being recorded right now. (laughs) (laughs) People wanted more uh, on a personal level, a little bit of an unedited audio for them. You know, Mark's the shit ass fucking bomb cook. (laughs) Hey, real life. So we got a few things to talk about this episode. We we got another uh, home base communications tonight, and then uh, we're going to kind of... Mark, you got anything with news or anything that you've looked into during quarantine? 
Absolutely. It's so funny you mentioned quarantine that I mentioned, I believe, last episode that I've been going through some of my books that I know and love and and made me realize that there are a couple of books that I didn't that were on my list that I didn't realize that I had. And it made me wonder how many of you out there have or maintain a catalog of all your books? Okay. I know my catalog is in my head and I'm really pretty good about it. But like I said, with quarantine, this it's been 20 years since I've had my collection. This happened to me one time where I had something I didn't know I had it. But I wonder how many of you out there have and maintain your catalog. How long is your catalog? Do you have it on PowerPoint? Do you have it written down? Let it write us in and let us know. I know I recently made a list of all the Fantastic Four issues, specifically, again, the John Byrne run that I'm really into right now. Right. I made a list of those that I don't have. So I have my list right on top of my boxes. Um, but as far as my individual catalog of every title, I know which ones I have pretty much. I know you guys have a pretty in-depth catalog. Yeah, like Rob and I were just talking about doing this. We we used to do it back when, you know, we lived together and maintained the collection and the club status, I guess. Um, it was a lot of handwritten bullshit, but like now we've got a I've got a rolling Excel file and we were talking about trying to get together like every five years and actually redoing like the value because it's fun to just go through what you got. Yeah. And uh, I think the last time we did that was 2016. So I mean, we're kind of on the cusp of doing it again, but I love to get the new issue of, I wouldn't say issue, but the new Overstreet book guide and just go through and reevaluate everything. And, you know, we're kind of, over the top we price it with a pricing gun and i just like to have the actual value on it and stuff like that but i know there are websites that you can use that you can actually upload your collection and it'll it'll keep track for you what the value of your collection is and you know and stuff like that really yeah yeah you can upload your whole thing and then like it'll tell you what your collection is worth and you could sell stuff you could you know it's i think it's comic book price guide is what i'm talking about but i've used it a couple times because I obviously don't have the up-to-date Overstreet guide and I highly recommend that if you're a collector you get one of those every now and then and it'll piss fucking dealers off at conventions when you pull it out of your bag and say I'm not paying $40 for this because it's only worth 20 but that's just the way you got to do it and then there's some that don't give a shit that I'm looking right in the Overstreet guide and still want to overprice you and it's like all right well you can sell that to some other asshole yeah. it ain't gonna be me not gonna be me and it's so funny, you know, although I've made my list, making my list and, you know, thinking about catalogs and all that, it really made me miss the smell of a comic book store. Since mm. we're all quarantined right now, I mm. can't go into one, but it really made me miss the smell of one. And just I'm missing my bookstore right now. So, Mark, I guess my question to you is, and we've talked about this, what makes the comic book store for you? Are you more of a... Like, it's got to be modern bookstore feel. Or are you all about the back issues as well? I'm all about the back issues. Right. Yeah. If you have a healthy, healthy supply of back issues, that makes it more of the comic book store for me. If I can go through your books and find that one that excites me and I get my thrill and I can cross it off my list, that does it for me. Yeah, I want a healthy balance. Like, I want a, I want a solid anchor for me is 
the back issue selection. And then it's like, all right, what's your modern stuff look like? And then you can start giving me statues and all that extra stuff. But to me, it's like, I want more back issues, back issues than, than bookshelves and waterfall stuff. What about you, Rich? Like what, what's your store got to look like? I'm weird because I almost gravitate towards more of the dark and dingy. Like to me, like that to me was, I hate to say, I hate to use those words to describe Comic Connection, but it was just something like that store that was just like packed with stuff that, I mean, it still was organized to the point where you could look through the back issues and stuff like that. Like, it's almost got like a St. Mark's in New York type of feel to it. Um, I do like the modern, clean. Um, I don't want anything that's like too uppity for me to where I feel like I don't belong. Like, I feel like I need to have you know, my dress slacks on or, you know, a shirt and a tie to be in a, you know, a pristine bookstore slash comic book store. Um, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm with Mark in terms of, I want to see a shit ton of back issues. Um, I feel like people should be able to start a collection at their comic shop. Yeah. To me, that's important. And to me where you don't have a whole hell of a lot of back issues and minus the over you know ordered modern stuff like i think that's a problem like somebody shouldn't have to go to a convention granted i think they should go to a convention to to find really good deals on stuff that they want but like you shouldn't have to go to a convention to go all oh, this title came out a couple years ago i'd like to collect it let me go to they should be able to go to the comic store and be able to get it maybe minus a couple issues like mark runs into where okay that's on my con list to me I don't know. I'm kind of like a happy medium. Like I like the dark and gingy old school comic book feel. And then I like the nicer, you know, they got statues, they got stuff on the wall and you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely a, a good question. I guess to me, like why back issues are essential. It's like, where else are you going to go to get that? If not a comic convention, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you go to like your half price books and stuff and there might be a couple of boxes, but it's like, where else are you going to go in person, right? Because you can go anywhere on the internet and get what you want. But, like, if I want to start a collection and do it in person, like, it, to me, it's it's the comic shop. And well, I, it's like I, we were talking to Gib last episode, and I really just, like, I don't want to buy my stuff from a discount website. Sure. Or the Amazon or the ebay like i don't want to do that i want to support the brick and mortar because i feel like the brick and mortar is the comic shop you know what i mean like it isn't like going to the grocery store getting necessities or you know going to get a part at the auto parts store or something like that like the the brick and mortar to me has to survive in the comic book sense i guess i don't know i agree speaking of the comic book store mark i came across a uh, a documentary that's called My Comic Shop Country that I think the three of us should uh, should check out and uh, have a discussion about it because I read the reviews on it. They're really, really high, and it just it seems centered around a guy, Anthony, whose comic store closed down, and then he goes around the, I don't think it's the whole, whole nation, but he goes and visits about 20 to 25 different stores, and uh, I, I think we should definitely check that out and uh, – review it what do you guys think I'm sounds like a that. plan yeah you know kind of kind of goes into what you were saying you're missing the whole or what do you what do you get out of a comic book store and i think that this might be a little bit of what we're talking about absolutely well and it makes me wonder if um some of the things if it's about like his shop closing and him trying to go around and kind of find out you know what the 
comic shop means to him. I'm just kind of scared that uh, some more shops might be closing after what we were going through. So Yeah, dude, I saw a, uh, a post on Facebook, Mark, that uh, Forbidden Planet started a uh, GoFundMe account to stay yeah. afloat because they're probably in, they're in trouble. Yeah, it's really sad. Well, I got a couple of, um, I got some news regarding some movie that just came out recently, just this week, about some movie pushbacks due to the quarantine. Um, for example, the Thor, Love and Thunder, I believe is what it's going to be called, was was originally supposed to be November. It went from November 2021, pushed back to February 2022. Mm. Doctor Strange pushed back to March 2022. And Spider-Man was supposed to be from, was supposed to come out July 2022. And now it's switched to November 22. Wow. So it's so significant ripple effects already. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they are can't. Further I'm sure down these the production line. companies are completely shut down too. Like nobody's doing yep. anything. Yep. So. so, and it's so funny. Speaking of movies, it brings me to another point that I was listening to something and it brought me to the, there's a clip. I think it was in Empire Magazine perhaps, or it was a clip. I heard somebody talking about it going around of the Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. And how there's a picture, and I looked it up online, and there's a picture of Wonder Woman throwing the lasso of truth around the arm of Cheetah, played by Kristen Wiig. Yep. And my thoughts are, is that Cheetah, they're not going to CGI her or do any kind of makeup or any kind of special effects. I think they're going to keep her in human form and mm-hmm. put her in like a Cheetah outfit, just like a Cheetah jacket or a Cheetah skirt, something Cheetah, but I don't think they're going to do anything to her physically. That's kind of a disappointment for me. I'd like to see the full-on Cheetah. So would I. So would I, you know, so would I, but I think that that's what they're going to do. I could be wrong. It's just my opinion. It's just what I'm thinking is going to happen, but I think that that's what's good, what they're going to do. I trust what they're, what they're doing, but um, I'd be interested to see what comes of it if they're not going to do too much uh, special effects. Yeah, we'll definitely see, but that's just something I saw and it's just my opinion. Well, guys, I was thinking this past week um, as I was reading some stuff and I kind of got to thinking like quarantine's starting to get to me. It's definitely starting to get to my kids. And it's like you start going in like the dark corners of your mind. And are there any comic book story arcs that really come to mind to kind of describe isolation and a quarantine sense that you can think of? I think it's, well, I hate to be all doom and gloom and shit, but you know, it's, it's, it's on my mind, I guess. Well, I mean, it's easy to kind of think about these things when you're put in these situations. I immediately go to no man's land, you know, like 99, pretty much the whole Batman franchise, you know, following the cataclysm, you know, Gotham's kind of cut off from the mainland and it's kind of, you know, no man's land. And it really follows, you know, how do these people that chose to remain in the city survive? And it's kind of got that um, Lord of the Flies type thing going on, you know, like no, no authority kind of gang warfare. Police is like, you know, they're like a gang sense. Right. So, I really resonating with that idea of being at least cut off from normalcy, you know, being, being cut off from, um, engaging in the world that we, we, I know I personally took for granted on a daily basis, but yeah, definitely resonating with uh, the no man's land while we're under quarantine or social distancing, excuse me. From the beginning of that story, mine was, I remember, I think it started with cataclysm. Yep. Yes. And so my speaking of which with that, mine would be with uh Catwoman 
because I collected some Catwoman back in the day, Catwoman number 57, where she fights Poison Ivy. And I think this is just the beginning of the story and how in uh, Gotham City is just in shambles. So had the earthquake, turned so upside down. had the earthquake happened in that issue by now? Yes. Okay. And everybody is just like completely taken aback and just like thrown for a loop. And Catwoman, who is a cat burglar, now she's completely thrown for a loop. And cat uh, Poison Ivy's in this issue. And she's now, because everything is in shambles and kind of thing, everything's kind of meshed. She's coming across people she wouldn't normally interact with, such as Poison Ivy. I went with more of a uh, a modern book, and when I first read about it, it was called it's called Deceased. It's still it's still kind of going on with one shots here and there, like they've continued after the original story arc. It was like six parts uh, this past year, and I remember reading about it, and I'm like, oh great, another fucking zombie book. You know, we're just gonna try to you know live off of The Walking Dead and stuff like that, and it's already been redone. But it was really really cool. It was interesting. Um, I hate to bring it back to like a zombie apocalypse, but I don't know. This is the story that really jumped out to me. Um, and like the premise was, uh, Cyborg was captured on Apocalypse and was given this digital virus, per se, and he ended up coming back to Earth and infecting every electronic device, which, you know, is pretty huge this modern day and age. And people, if you looked at your phone, if you looked at a computer screen, a television screen, like you were immediately infected with this and basically converted into a zombie. And it was just everybody fucking died in this book. Like Superman died, Batman died um pretty much all the characters now they're doing like these one shots with you know stories in the background that took place within the six issue story arc but like what villains were doing and uh but it was just it was a it was a different take on another zombie book i guess and it was pretty cool when it had all the dc universe characters in it um so i'd I'd recommend it it was worth the read i was skeptical about it at first but i don't know this kind of i don't think we're in a zombie apocalypse so i guess your pick robert and mark with cataclysm and no man's land really kind of fits with mentally what we're going through but this was kind of a book that i kind of thought about where you're trying to isolate yourself and not fucking become a zombie i guess (laughs) right so all right so we got another home base communications issue number five and it's uh my buddy dave david ridgeway that i've worked with uh at a couple places and we work together now and you know i kind of pitched the podcast to him when we were coming out with it trying to get you know what he thought and uh we've had a lot of debates it's all, it almost felt like we were back in the comic club back in the day, just debating over what was better and what was not. And uh, he's kind of he's a firm Marvel guy, which I like, and uh, just figured we'd have him on the show and try to pick his brain. So, without further ado, David Ridgway. All right, Dave, what's going on? Dave, how are you? What's happening? Thank you for joining us. You look like Al Borland tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. What's that? What were you drinking there? A little life water and a little bit of the old uh, Four Roses. You got to work in the morning, so I'm sure you're not drinking anything. Nope. So uh, Ridgeway, I know you're. Uh, I know you're an active listener. Um, how did you hear about our podcast? I heard from uh, Rich and Rob. Both know them for a long time now, but ten years. Yeah. God damn. It was ten years ago that you thought I was rich in Lowe's. Yes, it was. Shit. Hmm. Get Walk that a lot. Sir, I'm like, who is this cat? <laughs> like, who is this? So Dave, tell us, when did you first fall in love with comics? It was way back when I was 
five in kindergarten, probably. You know, even before like the whole Marvel DC thing, I, I'm thinking like Transformers, Turtles, like that kind of genre. Um, having comic books with uh, like Transformers way back when. That's what I'm saying. You're a big toy guy. Oh yeah, big time. Really. So would you say you're a toy guy more so than a comic book guy still? I think all around, I would say. Gotcha. Do you think toys really brought you into the medium? And then, because think- like you look at Transformers, like obviously Transformers was a toy line that then morphed into a comic, then morphed into a movie. Yeah, I think um, my love for comics um, and the whole genre was more like a, started with, uh, believe it or not, Batman. Just like a lot of other people with Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, but then again, I was more, you know, exposed to the toy line of the, uh, the bat had the Batmobile and the, uh, from the movie and those toys. And that kind of segued into, uh, you know, more and more the actual comic book, comic book, uh, I would say years later, probably fourth or fifth grade when my mom was, um, she's a youth service librarian. So she has access to a lot of comic books, so I'd read most of my comics there, not mm-hmm. actually owning any. So um, reading graphic novels, and since this podcast started, I've been trying to remember some of them. I remember reading uh, an Iron Man book. It was a standalone, actual like graphic novel, like a book, and I, I can't for the life of me remember the title of that. Um, Is that almost also... like your Greg Cox books there, Mark? Yeah. So I mean, was... It was, like, was it a novel, Dave, or was it an actual graphic novel? It was an actual novel. Okay. I actually I just rediscovered those, and those are excellent. They really are such a great story. So much that I, it's like comics are number one for me, and this is like a close, like it's right up there with my comics because the stories are so well written. That's what I thought. I mean, that's, you know, it's been 25 years, and I still can, you know, kind of remember that. I'm like, wow, this was a pretty damn good book. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm 35 and still reading. You know, they're really, it's a, a great novel. It's a great read. So you have not so been Dave... successful in finding that book from this point me personally no i couldn't tell you what the name of it was i'm sorry so dave you're reminding me you said um transformers um and you're taking me back to uh kindergarten as well so when um rich you're gonna know where i go with this i always wanted a transformer but they were so god-awfully expensive right like i want but i wanted a decepticon right rich we wanted the jets we didn't need those cars <laughs> and shit like who no. who wants to be i wanted fucking a star semi truck Versus an F-15, right? So every um, Halloween, so we didn't celebrate Halloween in our family. So our instead of doing beggars night, we got to get, what was it, Rich, like 10 bucks? Fuck, I don't know. Not enough ten or to buy 15, what I wanted. Ten or, <laughs> right, right, right. That's the key point. So like 10 or 15 bucks to just go to Toys R Us instead of taking going to beggars night. And I always remember just never having enough money for a Transformer, but always kind of having enough for another Batman figurine. So <laughs> I think all mine were hand-me-downs or like garage sale signs, to be honest with you. And I still have a lot of mine left over that my son now plays with. That's nice. That's the miracle. <laughs> Brainwash <laughs> them early. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dave, did you have the uh, 89 Keaton Batman figurine with the retractable belt? Yes. I think the belt broke, obviously. 
actually. Yeah, that we bought like how many of those figures, man? I think we got like four of them and like broke the belt on every single one of them, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, they don't last too long. Um, we bought, we never got our hands on a Keaton face. We had the long face, the round face. Um, never could pick up the Keaton face, but uh, I think we had one when we originally, you know, got those. You know, he had the Joker with the squirting flower with the yes. ridiculousness. <sighs> Flash with uh, the fast legs. And I also had a. Uh, there <laughs> I, he is. I had the the original Batmobile as well, the car, the original TV show that I mistakenly sold in a garage sale for like two dollars. So wait, the '60s or the '89? The '60s and the '89. I sold them both for like five bucks. So man, did it? Was it the one that made noises? The uh, I don't remember specifically. I just remember like it. The lights would pop up, and uh, that's all I can remember. I just remember beating the crap out of them. I remember when Rob and I discovered eBay back in, like, I don't know, 98, 99. Oh that was, like, all we bought was all the shit. Our childhood. Yeah, dude. We got all the Batman uh, toys again. We got the Batwing. I don't think we ever got the Batmobile, though, did we? No. Well, no, we got the one. We got the smaller one. Remember, it was in the, the box with the back tab on it so you could hang it up in the stores. Yeah. I do remember the Batwing. We took it out of the box, and I swear to God, it looked like somebody sold it in a garage sale and then still had the box. It was so dusty. And <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we offloaded that in a garage sale. <laughs> but Dave, you remind, you're, you're sending me down memory lane here. Um, we were in kindergarten when, eight, when the 89 movie came out, and <laughs> did you ever, like, when you were in kindergarten, did you go to library time where you all sat in, like, a dark corner and listened to some old library and read you a story? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's technically what my mom does. <laughs> She's doing well, the Lord's work. Well, <laughs> talking to kids in dark corners, shining the light. Um, Rich, you remember Billy in kindergarten? He's the one that threw up on the bus in his book bag. Oh, Christ. Yeah, Billy. We're reading like she's reading like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something. That, and he raises his hand. She's like, what, what question do you have? He's like, I got a new Batmobile. <laughs> and then she's like, I don't care about that i want to hear what you have to say about chitty chitty bang bang and he's like oh okay well then like five minutes later he raises his hand again and she's like billy and he's like it makes cool sounds so i was just wondering if you had the same 89 batmobile that billy from kindergarten had but sorry i'm long going off the rails rob jesus sorry all right dave this is kind of a new question for us uh do you have a favorite age of comics favorite age let's say that like era we should say era yeah i don't have an era i think it's more or less like between the late 80s to mid 90s i would say roughly if i had to guess okay i don't have anything specific uh that i can think off the top of my head um like i said i've always collected outside of the comic book realm so uh like the 91 like the comic like the marvel cards mm-hmm. oh yeah those were amazing um those the first series were awesome yeah, they definitely were. I mean, you could see those on eBay, and you're just like, I remember having all those. <laughs> what are they then, going uh, for right now, do you know? I don't know off the top of my head, but almost worth buying the set. I always remember having, like, the, the holographs. I'm like, oh, these are the best thing ever. And then I, I had two two Marvel holographs, and I made the mistake of sell, of trading for four DC holographs, and the value was just not there. Oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> The value in his heart was not there. <laughs> I always loved the, uh, also in, I think it was like 93, uh, Fleer had like the Marvel masterpieces. Um, yes. And yes, those were yes. amazing. Yeah. Or, uh, coming to the actual graphics of it. I Weren't still they have... 
thick. Weren't they all like Spongeboard pretty much? They were oh, thick cards. They were pretty pretty ridiculous, say now. Yeah, they were. I have a oversized War Machine one, I think, because I think he was one of my favorite characters growing up. Nice. I know that's, that's like one sweet. of untold characters, you know, unsung before the movies even began. Mm -hmm. Don't you love to brag, though, that you were like, I love this character before, you know, everybody <laughs> is now exposed to it? Like, I remember Mark telling me his favorite character was Ant-Man. I'm like, who the fuck is Ant-Man? Like, used to have these debates <laughs> of like, really? Ant-Man? Now everybody yeah. loves Ant-Man. It's, it's Paul Rudd, man. It's Paul Rudd. No, it's Hank Pym. <laughs> Hank That's Pym. the real Ant-Man. The crazy stories with Hank Pym, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he's the one that like had sex on the uh, on the grave of like some dude uh, that was like what his former her former husband or something like that. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I don't know about all that. All that sounds That's like a Mark spicy loves story. Loves what issue was that? <laughs> Mark's taking notes. <laughs> taking notes. I'm like, I looked that up. I thought I knew a lot about him. I gotta look that up. Sex on the grave of... That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so, like you said, so, like, 80s to 90s-ish, sort of? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, uh, like, one of the most iconic uh, comic book covers, I know this is kind of like a callback to one of your earlier episodes, for me was um, Wolverine number 1. Because um, I had one comic book store that I went to when I was growing up, and they always had one on the wall. Um it was always $50, like the price never fluctuated or anything, and it was always there. And it was always that, you know, the Wolverine with pretty much just him looking. Um, so that was always one of my draws into actually, like, just being exposed to comics, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so, Dave, are you are you currently collecting anything? I think I've become, you know how Kim's the, the show quitter? I've become, like, the comic book quitter. Like, I tried <laughs> to get into it, and... Um, I tried to get into the most recent X-Men one, and I, it just lost me after four uh, four issues. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you still what, do you still have a collection that you, or have you like sold it all off at garage sales and stuff? I've got yeah, I've gotten rid of most of mine. Um, I have a couple here and there. That X-Men number one, the Chris Claremont, um, Jim Lee, the picture, yeah, the one you guys had on uh, the Facebook. I, I still have that somewhere, but I really got rid of a lot of my uh, comic book stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I still have a lot of my cards, believe it or not. <laughs> I mm -hmm. Nice. I have a lot of, uh, actually I have a lot of, even this is pretty nerdy to say this, but Marvel, uh, they're overpowered. I have a lot of, yeah, we remember those. We have, the that's DC not nerdy. We got DC overpower. You know, yeah. Could never fucking yeah. get into it. Never figure it out. I don't know. We never figured out how to play that game. We made up the rules. That's not the rules. I will confess, I uh, took a gander at the instruction manual about two weeks ago, and I'm like, yeah, I still don't fucking understand how to play this game. <laughs> I guess now we know why it was successful. Yeah, there, there you is. go. And we were 13 trying to figure that out. Well, I, think they came I don't know about bench. you, but how are you expected to read shit that small? That's like three <laughs> sizes smaller than the smallest Bible. I remember us arguing by the baseball triangle on the bench at Woodwood Park of, of us trying to figure out what. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, oh my God. God. Our, I think our, it was our, we, that was the only DC's time we ever dipped our the foot. We only time to dip our foot into the, uh, you know, the card playing game air, yeah. arena, I guess. So, Dave, like, when did you first start collecting? Or, like, did you go through, like, waves? Like, did you collect for a little while, then you sold some stuff, collect again, then sold some stuff? Or, like, what's kind of your... When did you start and maybe what was your pattern? So I always, um, I never collected specific issues. Um, 
you know, I would go in, you know, get a couple comic books here or there. Uh, my mom would also bring home quite a few comics from the library. I mean, it wouldn't be worth anything because the uh, barcode would be cut out. Or yeah, right. Know, so for me, it was just more or less reading it, enjoying it that way. I guess you could say. Gotcha. Do you guys remember I... when you actually put a value on a comic book? Like, I know we're collectors now, and you we just collect things. But like, you ever just grab a comic and you never really worried about that you needed to put it in a bag and a board? Or, like, was there always that around you, Mark? Because, I mean, you worked at a store, but, like, was there ever just, let me fold this up, put it in my back pocket, and read it? Now we know that's blasphemy, but, like, you know. Yeah, there were some issues, and I still have a, 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 a title divider titled Miscellaneous. Certain issues that I just picked up one of that I didn't fully collect or the ones that I didn't have any value in. So I have a miscellaneous section. So, yeah, there were some that were kind of like stray issues for me. Yeah. Rich, I think you and I were firm. Roll it up, throw it in your back pocket, like Back to the Future Almanac style. <laughs> until <laughs> until we, <laughs> until we went to Comic Town and spoke to, what was it, Jeff? Is that his yeah. name? Yeah. And still got there. and got like remember we're like let's just go to the comic book store because we cleaned our room and came across like a random issue of detective that we <clears throat> shamefully put contact paper on the cover of <laughs> <sighs> i think we were playing the almanac for back to the future too i think that's what was going on but like why are you airing dirty laundry point, for man jesus <laughs> you know, this is a conf confessional in quarantine here <laughs> so i think like until he told us what a back in the board was like i didn't even think comics needed to be put into a backboard and bag but at, to that point on it was like you know it was mandatory i guess yeah i don't know i don't know i just thought of that even while you were kind of collecting was there did you ever have a, a favorite artist like right now i'm really digging john Byrne. Uh, i think jim lee um obviously just the the heroes heroes of the game like jack kirby um bill uh, what's his last name sinkowitz is that how you say it i believe not familiar with him i can't pronounce it but i always like i can recognize it as soon as i see it he's one of the few that i actually recognize He's done a lot of DC, did a lot of Electra and Daredevil, but he he's done a couple of like New Mutants that um, some of the comics that I was just looking through, like he's got a couple of covers that like as soon as I look at him, like you know it's easy to recognize that. Nice, um, very cool. But yeah, I mean, it's not one favorite artist currently, anyways, that I can think of. Um, it's all it's almost too digital right now. I think that's my final yeah. issue with it. It um, definitely ebbs and flows. I don't think it probably provides as much character, if you will. Maybe agreed. It's fair. I, 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 I feel mean, like you no... get more. You get more from the old paper if you yes. want to. I don't like loss. I have an issue with that, but I'm just old school with that, I guess. So you are anti-dust repellent paper. <laughs> I guess so. Dude, there's nothing like open up a fucking book from the 80s, 70s, or whatever, and you can just smell that old newsprint, man. It's newspaper, yep. I mean, it doesn't hold up worth a shit, but I don't know. It, it's still distinctive to this day, I have to say. All right, let's see here. You lost Mark. He's a big fan of the dust repellent paper. You lost him. Mark. <laughs> I am. But with the older stuff, I'm okay with the non dust repellent, but with the new stuff, I prefer the dust repellent. I just like that most of. You know what they're running now is in a combination of a real thin newsprint and dust repellent to where it's hard to tell the difference mm. it's sweet anyway it's not like 90s image where it was like felt like it was on some real thick poster board <laughs> all right so dave do you have a favorite comic book hero and who is it favorite comic book hero huh oh man the choices are plenty um i'd say probably spider-man or captain america Iron Man, um, Wolverine would be my top. It's about one of the strong, top. solid characters. Nice. I wanted to round out a top five. Uh, <laughs> I think Hulk, 
Get out of here. I have to say, Dave, coming from Cleveland, you lived in the birthplace of the comic book hero, and he's just not in your li- he's not on your list, man. That's disappointing. Well, and the the sad thing is, like Smallville is one of my top five uh, shows too. If I had to, if I really had to pick it out, and it's actually Tom. Bullshit! Oh my god! <laughs> uh, come on, he didn't quit. So like wait, the rest you of weren't you. you weren't a quitter? You went all the way, Dave. I went all the way. Oh I was, my! I was hoping God. to see in this interview Rosenbaum's right character. now. <laughs> <laughs> One of Rosenbaum's character come back, but he never did. So he oh, came man. back for the last episode, didn't he? Yeah, I guess so. I would I love it if he got an opportunity to play. When they did that crossover bullshit, I, I if they, they should have brought him back, like they brought Tom Welling back, like they should have brought him to play Lex well, Luthor. I mean. I wouldn't have done it if I were him either, though, because they didn't want to tell him the script, the money, the location, the time it took. Like, they weren't telling him anything. Like, yeah. I would have been like, no way, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would say those are definitely. So, Spider Man, Captain America, Wolverine. What was the other one? Iron Man. Iron Man. And then, um, say the Hulk would probably be the fifth, if I had to guess. So, Dave just likes the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he likes That's a little X Men. He likes Wolverine there. Wolverine was an Avenger. Wasn't he? All right, so let's. What, what's your favorite I would know, female <laughs> female comic book superhero? Female comic book. Huh? Yeah, I noticed you didn't name a single female. Why are you being sexist, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I don't you gotta know. diversify your top faves, okay? It's gonna be. Uh, see here, I think Black Widow is not a superhero, by the way. Uh, no, <laughs> say Jean Grey is one of them. I had to guess. Jean um, Grey. Wonder Woman. If if I gotta go one like. The woman's side, if I have to pick a DC character. Good pick. So. Out of all the X-Men, you're going with Jean Grey? Nice. I would say. Jean Grey, Psylocke, I think is another good one. Another strong candidate. One that you don't, we haven't seen much of yet. I'd love to see a really good rogue. Like when we were doing our recasting episode, and I don't even remember who I picked, but I'm like, we never got to see rogue. It was yeah. a rogue it's jubilee combo. Totally different. Like, I was watching uh, the uh, Night of the Living Sentinels, the first two episodes of the, the cartoon. Yes. And it's like, they totally just ruined that character when it came to that the first movie anyways. Yep. Was it the <laughs> episode where Jubilee fried the VCR? Yes. Yeah, that's one. I watched it too. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yes, it is. Oh, I did not know that. I'll have to dial that up. Yep. Uh, Dave, so what are some of your favorite um, kind of stories? Uh, you could do kind of story arcs in comics, or you could do movies. Uh, favorite stories. See, I think um, obviously Civil War is pretty high up in the list. Um, that's one of those I got in and got out of when it came to collecting comics. I thought it was really sweet at the time. And then I realized you had to buy like 10 different comics that's how they get you man damn it yeah i'm like this is not for me so i bought like one or two and that was about it i'm like i'll just wait and read like the last one or something (laughs) (laughs) um i think age of apocalypse um i think is pretty is a pretty good line um you know the whole days of future past not not the movie but like the actual comic book pretty good Uh, i mean more more or less it's marvel over dc obviously didn't have much dc in the house growing up i think i had like one flash comic and that was it were you a big fan of the uh daredevil show daredevil yeah i think that was my favorite on all the netflix absolutely go ahead mark sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no sorry no you're fine i was gonna say do you have since we're talking about shows and movies do you have a favorite movie favorite movie of the of the comic book genre yeah definitely um i was thinking about this uh i've been thinking about this since you've asked everybody else batman v superman (laughs) (laughs) 
I would say Captain America, uh, Iron Man. I'd say, uh, looking back on it, if I had to pick a DC favorite movie, just to appease you guys, I would say uh, <laughs> the the Nolan Batman is probably the, the best one out there. Um, I don't, I haven't watched Keaton in, good lord, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been. It's got to be at least 20 years since I've seen it. So, um, so which which Nolan? Which of the three? Uh, it's got to be the probably the second one. I would say with Heath um, the Dark Knight. The Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah. It was a little little longer than I think it should have been, but other than that, though, um, for the most part, it kept. It was pretty good. It um, wasn't the short movie that you deserved, but it's the one you got. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wonder Woman was pretty good too. I have to give him credit for that. I thought that was a really good play because um, that one wasn't campy. A lot of a lot of theirs, I think, tend to become too campy for me a lot of the other newer stuff anyways whatever direction dc's going in it seems to be campy. nobody knows <laughs> yeah i but... actually dave i agree with you i think actually the campiness i think and this is just my opinion i think it's dc's attempt to be marvel but i actually think in wonder woman i think they nailed the like genuine humor between especially chris pine and and her in the movie i thought it was i thought it was pretty cool it was like that first genuine humorous entertaining right. DC flick. They finally did it right. I think I think James Gunn will probably do Suicide Squad pretty well. I think uh, that was the best thing that could ever happen to them is him getting kind yeah. of, you know, the scarlet letter over Marvel for about a month and a half and all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to go sign on and do this movie over here. So, And then nobody wanted to do Guardians of the Galaxy again because he was leaving. Yeah, and he came back and he's going to do it again. So, <laughs> Do you have a least favorite? Least favorite? Uh, Catwoman. I'd say I never even saw. That's um, <laughs> in the general consensus of everybody. I haven't even. I didn't waste my time with that shit. Uh, Captain Marvel is pretty terrible. Um, out of all the newer movies, I'd say that's probably the worst. That one, um, the newest X Men one, had a couple good scenes in the um, watching it. You know, on, on in the movie room. But other than that, though, the storyline was kind of all over the place, and it kind of tried to redo, you know, the Dark Phoenix. For the second time and it just i felt like it flopped yeah. uh, it didn't know i don't think that movie knew what it wanted to be um it had a couple good scenes but other than that though it was for marvel that was pretty bad just do you like feel Captain like they marvel. do you feel like that was forced onto the continuity i think they did that just so they can get it out before they lost the ip yeah i mean that's what it feels like to me because they i mean they've always made decent movies over at fox nothing over the top i thought first class was actually really good um when they came back out with the x-men um they had some really solid actors in there, but you know, long term, I think those guys were just collecting a paycheck. By the yeah. end of that last movie, it seemed like maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> but when you're you're also saying like uh, Captain Marvel was bad, do you feel like that was a forced movie into the continuity of what they were trying to do? I when I see it, I don't think it was part of the original plan. That's just me. Right. It was trying to be a standalone movie, but it was trying to do. I think once again, it was trying to do too much all at once and trying to force it in there like you said kind of force it in to kind of reiterate their story before you know the, the last movie came out obviously i just felt like it went against everything that marvel had already done because you know they're praised for backstory and you fall in love with the characters and then all of a sudden it's like they never talked about this and then they rushed it out there and then like she was supposed to be originally what like the missing link that was going to save everything and everybody's like what the fuck is this yeah and well, I mean, in the comic books, you know, it's with that, the whole Infinity Gauntlet, Adam Warlock, who's not even in any of the movies, he's in like the a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he's not even in there. And so they just got to bring in this 
ultra powerful feminine character, I guess, to kind of balance out all the the macho, all the men in there, is the only way I could think of to bring this character in. I don't know. Maybe just because I don't really follow the Captain Marvel scene. Maybe Mark might know a little more than I do. <laughs> My thing about Captain Marvel was is that, and also with Dark Phoenix and the Phoenix Saga, with Captain Marvel, even though she's a single character, that's a her, her story is a hard story to tell in two hours. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, she's it's a she's a complex character that has had so much history. It's hard to do in two hours. I just wa- rewatched the episode with an interview with John Byrne where he said, "How can you tell?" a story that took four years in two yeah. hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so with Captain Marvel, because she wasn't originally Captain Marvel, she was Ms. Marvel, who had issues. She was an alcoholic. She, you know, was, her powers were stolen from Rogue. She lost her right. memory. She was, so that's a hard story to tell in two hours. And she's just one character. The Phoenix Saga, there's like teens and lots of people, you know what I mean? So that was my only thing about Captain Marvel. They touched on things, but it's just hard. It's, it's a hard story to tell. That's why I think, like, I felt like it was rushed, though. Like, with Marvel, they took their time telling backstory. You fall in love with the characters, and then it just it didn't feel like it fit in the whole process to me. That's all I was trying to say. I'm going to sidetrack it real quick for Mark. What was the better Dark Phoenix, you think? The first set of movies, the third episode, the uh, third one, or the, uh, the most recent Dark Phoenix? None of them. <laughs> you agree. Number zero, the one that has not been made yet. <laughs> right. Getting pulled out of his chair and getting incinerated. No, nothing. None of them. None of them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry. So should sorry. they be? So good. I think a lot of people. All right. Well, I was gonna say, if you could change, well, I guess we arranged it. If you could change a comic movie to your liking, what would it be and why? Um, like one that's current. Is that what we're going to say? Like, there's a movie yeah. that, like one that came out, like IP that came out, like, say, the Wolverine, that yeah. Stanley movie, but completely yeah. changed the ending. Get rid of that right. Deadpool character. Kind of like how Deadpool does in the, was that the second Deadpool movie or something like that, where he kills him? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that movie was pretty good leading up to that point, I thought. Um, I would think, I, I think I'd change that first and foremost, um, other than, like, you know, what we've said about getting, maybe getting a little more in depth or a better storyline behind some of these characters that they're just kind of throwing in there, you know, throwing the Captain Marvel in there really quick, kind of throwing in, uh, there's just a couple characters there at the end of, uh, Infinity War that, you know, you probably would have liked to see more of like, uh, you know, Tony Stark's wife, like her, her character, uh, if you will, um, kind of more, more involved in that story, you know, a little more background, Maybe seeing them fight together before that, or something, you know, something like that. Maybe Dude, I was thinking about. I was thinking about this after uh, our interview with Doug. Um, what do you think about like what he was saying? He wished they would have done like another set of movies when Thanos won, and then come back and do the wrap up to Infinity Wars. Like seeing these characters in the shitty world. Like, would you have liked to see that? They were talking about that on the. Uh... Um, Fat Man Beyond podcast. I don't know if you heard that one, the most recent one. And someone brought up like it would have been a great time to come out with the Miles Morales story. Yeah. Because no Spider Man. There's no like true hero out there. I mean, there's there's some here and there, but it would have been a great time to develop that character and then put him in and kind of, you know, got the whole multiverse together in a sense, if you will. 
I mean, obviously yep. not going to get all together, but it would have been great to kind of had a couple characters, a couple stories created along that in between that time frame. I think Marvel could have capitalized on that, but I kind of understand why they didn't. Okay. They wanted to get phase whatever, two, four, whatever we're in now. Four, 22. Yeah. Four is going to be interesting because <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of who is that I think is going to happen. But uh, I mean, it's a wait and see because everybody, nobody heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before that came out. I mean, everybody's like, that was this. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, those are really damn really good movies. I'd those say. are probably those are probably my favorite ones. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the uh, third Thor I thought was pretty good too. I don't know, man. I'm just a big fan of the first Iron Man. I just thought that was that just the one that launched them all. Yeah, I would say. Well, I just uh, I just read that you know Robert Downey Jr. just he made five hundred thousand dollars on that movie. Terrence Howard was actually the guy that made the most money on that movie. And look where he wound up. <laughs> That's because he wanted more. <laughs> no, um, that should actually be a whole other podcast because actually it was Robbie Downey Jr. that stabbed Terrence Howard in the back for the second one. Yeah. Really? Once they saw how well the first movie did, Robert, um, Terrence Howard was supposed to get $8 million for the second one. Well, once they saw how well it did, they gave all his money to Robbie Downey Jr. And they, re- they gave... Terrence Howard a million and said to take it, but that is like propaganda because they knew that he wasn't going to take it. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not going to do a movie for an eighth of what I was supposed to get. And then when he, he was the one who helped Robert Downey Jr. get that role. Right. Well, like, he was like, I'm the one who helped him get that part. And he he called Robert Downey Jr. to say, hey, can you help me out? And Robert Downey Jr. didn't call him back till three months later. Damn. Well, but the other thing is, I'm not surprised that he took 500000 because he was still trying to get his career back on back in the air for the eighth time due to his drug addiction stuff. So he wasn't he wasn't back on the scene in prime time yet. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that they didn't pay him top dollar. Mel Gibson put up his insurance money so he can do the movie Zodiac. Or yeah, because it was it was costing a up. lot of production people insurance policies to make sure he wasn't going to fuck up. I remember reading that. So he was, I don't know he was, was not an Zodiac. easy person to get back. into a movie. Right, I take that back. I don't know if it was the movie Zodiac, but I do know Mel Gibson put up the money so he, to, the insurance money so he can get the part, so he can get a job. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy whenever they go back and do a remake of Iron Man. You know they will like. There's not going to be a more iconic character. Like I can't think of anybody that would be better for that role, just because of his personal experiences and being able to yeah. kind of trickle it down into the uh, Tony Stark character. I mean, he defines that character because of Tony Stark's his background. You know, being well, typically an alcoholic, but drugs obviously aren't too far out of the realm. Right. So I kind of look at Iron Man like just that first, the first I guess act where he's saving himself in the cave and building the suit and all that shit and like came like had to come down off of greatness, the all the mighty Tony Stark, and now he's captured by terrorists. And it's like you see that culmination in that first act. Like yeah, you could pretty much say that's Robert Downey's life and what he grew up into, and then you know have to fight it and claw his way back. <laughs> wasn't so that part? I of definitely a, think that role was perfect for him. Wasn't that to break apart that first movie? Wasn't the uh, was wasn't that like Mandarin's like that wasn't that his group in a sense like the was it the six rings seven rings um isn't that that's pretty much that's his group right there so I wonder if they're gonna try to tie in any of that with the upcoming movies yeah don't know because I guess that's the one the one bad thing but also kind of hilarious is they turned the Mandarin into a, uh, a dumbass, if you will. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, Mark, let's talk about <laughs> it, because I know you... I, I don't want to talk about it. We've talked about this. Come on, man. Give us a little backstory. We've, like you said, we've already talked about it. A great and powerful villain, and they did that to him. I was like, you can't... 
like it was so amazing to see like the, the terrorist aspect but then they turn around and you know totally uh, redeem themselves in a sense in a marvel way i guess and totally screwed that one up in a way <laughs> mark i'm sorry i pissed you off <laughs> All right, Dave. So let's go back to the beginning of our conversation, garage sale or some format of that. If you were at a garage sale or you had the opportunity to buy your holy grail item, whether it be a toy or a comic, what is it? I guess I'd I'd flip the script and say if I just wouldn't have sold the Batmobile, wouldn't have sold uh, both of those. And if I would have kept those, like I've kept pretty much every other toy, um, you know, keeping a, uh, yeah, I would say those would be the ones or if I could find like the, uh, the toy, toy biz, one of the original, um, I want to say it was, uh, one of the original Wolverines, if you will. Okay. So if you got the Batmobile, would you keep it in the box? Oh, of course. <laughs> now I would for sure. Right. Back then I'm opening that thing up and I'm playing with it and I'll, I'll clean it off and I'll put it back in the box, but, <laughs> or I'd have two of them. I'd have one I'd play with and one I'd leave in the box. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Dave, is there anything you would actually like us to discuss on future episodes? Maybe some topics or things that we haven't gotten to that would interest you? More Marvel, less DC. I don't know. <laughs> well, we can't have everything we want. Dave. We can't have everything we want. That's why we invite guests like you on to talk Marvel. <laughs> No, I don't. I can't think of anything else. I mean, everything's been pretty good so far. I mean, I'll, I'll feed, keep feeding my ideas to you guys. Yeah, let's put so. that out there. Dave was the uh, the recommendation that we do the cover episode, which I enjoyed nice. doing all that research. So, Dave, let me phrase it this way, because this is kind of where I I want to kind of go in future episodes. Is, is are there any like deeper themes or any um, different perspectives you want us to take on some of these characters? Um, I think you guys have really. Uh, the last couple episodes where you kind of recast, I think, have been really well. Because um, it leaves me thinking, like, man, who would I pick for, you know, if I were to redo all this? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought those were really well done. Um, obviously, wouldn't agree with a lot of some of those decisions, but everybody has their own opinion, you know. Right. Uh, but, uh, no, I, th- I, think, I think that's great. It's nice water cooler conversation, if you will. Like, hey, you know, we can always break it up, uh, you know, bring it back to the... Uh, who would ultimately win in a battle? Would it be Superman or the Hulk? Or, like, you know, the whole... When, when did that come out? Back 94. In, 94, yeah. The who versus who. Or, like, if we would have replaced this guy in this universe, would he survive? That type of thing. Like, just getting it more in-depth in the storyline, maybe? I don't know. Like, just I think more... he, hit the, uh, he hit the nail on the head. Should we just say what we're going to do in the future? Yeah, that's fine. I was about to say, sure. Go ahead, Rob. So we actually wanted to dive back into some of that DC versus Marvel and um, kind of expand it a little bit. So I think I know we were just discussing this recently, Rich. So add add any necessary details, but we wanted to actually the the major battles. We wanted to revisit those, see if um, the outcome would be the same, and then also kind of expand it to um, different DC versus Marvel matchups and kind of see. So after our those. after our top 10 is completed. We're just going to do a segment called who would win. And then we'll start it off with rehashing out the DC versus Marvel that got us all wrapped up together to begin with. I could see this now. I could see this going bad now. He <laughs> wins. Well, like we need to get people to write in or email and, and send us their picks and we'll take a poll. Yeah. About that. Right. Cause isn't that how it was decided anyway? <laughs> right and we it gotta, won't we gotta, we gotta do the debate games. though we gotta fight it out like you know that's the most entertaining thing i think all right dave, not gonna end so, up anything like dark claw and all that garbage oh yeah bad all right dave so i wanted to ask you i loaned you watchman a couple months back don't have to go into grave detail but give me your thoughts anticlimactic that's the uh 
the number one word I can I can describe about that book, to be honest with you. I I, I was, I mean, without like taking the movie, you know, because I saw the movie first, but just just reading the book, reading from cover to cover, I'm you know I'm gearing up and getting all excited for you know the end battle, and there really it just doesn't happen. I don't you know because you're used to in a comic book, you're used to you're used to seeing almost like seeing the the pow and the bang, yeah. you know this and that you're seeing something like that and it's more or less just like everything happens all at once and then it's over that type of thing so you, you know hated it i mean i'm not gonna say i hated it but i'm not gonna say hey it's i'm not like scared the, to say it i hated the fuck out of that book the first time i read it i'm not gonna lie right. i hated it now i can't stop talking about it no i just think <laughs> that it's one of those books that you reread and it you just find new things every time and i don't know it's it's become my favorite, I guess. It's some of those internal stories, though. Like, why did those have to be brought into? It, it kind of maybe just to distract you. Is that is that the thought process? Is that what he was going with? Was just to kind of distract you? Um, you talk about like the the black freighter and all that other yeah, stuff. Specifically yeah. the black freighter, like that one kind of like almost like a metaphor, if you will, of what mm-hmm. was to, what was coming and what was what yeah. was happening. Uh, but I don't know. It kind of it almost like I thought they could have gone more in depth on the. Uh, the disappearance of the, you know, all these high-minded people. Yeah. You know, they, they, and it was, it was a, so in the background and you just, yeah, I know what you mean by that. And then like killed them off this and that type thing. And then like, then they reference it like at the very end and he's like, Oh, I killed, I, you know, I had my henchmen kill these guys and I turn around and kill the henchmen. Like, I literally. don't know. It kind of laid out that Adrian Veidt was such a diabolical motherfucker. Like he was, yeah. he's definitely a good bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So Dave, I gotta ask you, what um, comparing the endings, so to speak, did you like the comic or the movie better? Uh, I only saw the movie once. Um, well, there wasn't a giant ass squid monster, so. <laughs> but there was in the HBO show. <laughs> um, I'd have to say the book probably would be a little better. I don't know, man. I'm. I respect that. I'm gonna respectfully disagree because I thought the the bombs just made more sense with Doctor Manhattan's powers. Like I just thought it was a little bit more. It just made more sense. The destruction was a little bit more. Uh, plus, it was kind of it fit in line with like the Doomsday Clock and everything, you know. And then squid aliens landing on shit. I don't know. <laughs> I think the, the Doctor Manhattan character is interesting because I mean he's pretty much one of those you know level ten using a Marvel reference. He's a level ten mutant, so uh, like. This guy could pretty much just kill you in a blink of an eye or just yeah. like teleport you to outer space and you can't breathe anymore. Like, but yet mm-hmm. he doesn't. Like, he kind of thinks it's beneath him. So, whenever I think like Boss Logic just did, uh, who did he fight? They said, like, who would win in this battle? And it was him. I can't remember who, who the other one was going up against, but, um, but it just seemed like, seemed kind of like, like a silly quest. Of course, it's going to be Dr. Manhattan because all he has to do is take not even a second snap his fingers <laughs> yeah pretty much i don't know i thought i thought that was just kind of kind of funny how they played that out he could he could kind of in a sense go back in time if you will and he could have just completely redid everything isn't that yeah. the process like how powerful he is but then like he has internal conflicts of why would he step in why would he do anything at all why why does he just let let things be as they are and everybody kill them you know kill each other if you will I think what's interesting about him as a character is, yes, I, I like your level 10 mutant status. Like he's, he can do whatever he wants. Essentially he can create life, but internally there's still some of that humanity in him. So it's like with all that power, he still has that like internal struggle with why should I intervene or, 
Um, it was one of the one of the few things like looking back months now after later. One of the things that I actually did like about the HBO series was it at least showed, and I, I mean, Rich, we can discuss this further, it at least showed a little bit of that humanity struggle with him. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like that, uh, what would happen <laughs> if, you know, if I get involved and, and things like that. And, and if I do care about these human beings, it's going to maybe impact my motivation um, and yeah. when and how I use my powers. They were saying, he was saying Superman uh, Prime versus Dr. Manhattan, which... I mean, Dr. Manhattan, all he has to do is create kryptonite or find it under any flippin's uh, book, pretty much, because it seems like everybody in uh, <laughs> Earth has fucking kryptonite. I swear to God. It's, it's Batman. It's in the Batcave, motherfucker. Gotta have protocols in place. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, he could have just, like, completely rewrote anything he wanted to see how he saw fit but that was the ending of the book in a sense yeah like i almost thought i almost thought that you know in the book since i never read it before like he would have just like taken everything from that that squid scene and just kind of erased it yeah and i thought like that's how it wouldn't have been in the movie but i don't know maybe just he just didn't care but just i always i think it's um fascinating because you know one of my favorite uh, villains that they kind of they swept under the rug was Apocalypse. I thought they didn't do that movie. They didn't do him justice at all because um, Apocalypse is this badass character who creates the four horsemen, um, creates like, you know, Archangel. He turns Angel and Archangel, which is probably the best change, I think, ever in the whole comic book scene. Um, turn this wimpy character and turn him into pretty much a badass. But like another level 10 that they they're talking about bringing in. Um, Galactus mm -hmm. uh, I think that's gonna be another interesting one but I don't know how maybe because Fox has failed so many times they failed the last time completely with that Fantastic Four movie but God I wish they do an FF movie right I fucking love the Fantastic Four Mark yeah. you got anything to say about that I would like to see that I trust yeah. Kevin Foggy yeah that'd, that'd be amazing but I don't know you know other than you know the obvious John Krasinski and Emily Blunt like boom picking it that's my yeah. pick. I mean, who are you picking as Human Torch and the Thing? I just hope they don't go super cheese with the Thing. Like, it's got to be right. Not yeah. too digital, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you don't want a big old ball sack chin like Thanos or anything like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Grimace. I mean, I'm staring at the uh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, this man, this monster uh, poster that I have right now. And, like, that's a, that's a character that just... You know, he's got layers and, you know, no pun intended, but like that they don't even they don't even bother in any of the movies, really. I think Ben Graham was my it. favorite in the Fantastic Four, he's, for sure. He's pretty badass and his strength is always underpowered in those movies, too, it seems like. Yeah. When you're talking about a guy that can almost go up to the Hulk, obviously nobody technically can because the Hulk's supposed to have this unlimited, you know, strength. But I don't know. I guess that's that's in your, your your debate club there. I guess is you know who's stronger that type of thing. But I don't know. So Dave, can you tell us? Do you have any questions for us? Uh, but you're. Uh, I'm sure you guys have said this, but um, favorite Marvel movie? You said it was Iron Man for the most part. Iron Man is definitely my number one. I'd probably say Winter Soldier was mine. Captain oh. America Winter Soldier. That was a good one. That was really good. Both both Ohio guys um, directed that. That was it. A couple of those yeah. scenes were Ohio. It's weird to drive through, like, you're, you've are you experienced this multiple times in New York, but to drive through a spot where they filmed it, and you're like, hey, I know exactly where that's at. 
Yeah. It's, like, it's almost mind melding. It's crazy. Like be able to do that. It's pretty cool, I think. Um, but that's actually that's a really good choice. Um, what about you, Rich? Favorite Marvel movie? Into the Spider Verse. Pretty damn good movie. Um, speaking of which, what's the what's the best of the Spider Man? Is it the Toby? Is it the Andrew or is Andrew it for me? Tom? Andrew. Um, I actually didn't think Toby Maguire was that bad. Um, but I do think watching Andrew, like that was the Spider-Man that I remember kind of growing up like that cocky yet awkward. I don't know. He just Peter Parker. He fit, he fit the character inside and outside of the mask better. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Mark? Um, my favorite Spider-Man would probably be, you know, I'm, I, I agree. Tommy McGuire wasn't bad. Um, I'd probably say I'd say Tobey Maguire because he yeah. had that dirt that that nerdy look to him, you know that small frameish kind of way about him. It's just I think that the the I don't know if it was the cinematography, the way it was written, it was just all so commercial. You know, if they put him in Andrew Garfield's or Tom Holland's, that uh, you know that kind of flavor, that kind of vibe, then I think it would work. Yeah, but Tommy McGuire is probably my favorite. I mean, that first Spider-Man movie that was to me that's up there with Iron. With, that's up there with Iron Man too, because I remember it's like that was the first time watching something. And you're like, man, I don't, I haven't seen something like that before. Like that was, yeah, legit. It's hard to you gotta you gotta just try to try to do your damnedest to erase number three out of your mind. Like well, you do everything you can. <laughs> Well, you got to put yourself in that timeline too. Like, you got to remember what else was out there at the time, and like, there was nothing like Spider-Man out there. You know, we right. couldn't fall back on eighteen other Marvel movies and been right. like compared to like that was. Yeah, because I think it, it feels like that was the first time that Marvel really got it right. Like, I know that they had success with Brian Singer's X-Men, but like, you can't compare X-Men to Spider-Man, in my opinion. Like, from a movie standpoint, when it came out, like. Spider-Man, I felt like it, okay, they did it right. They fucked up with Daredevil. You know, the Hulk was okay. And then, like, Spider-Man was, I felt like it was their first really, really good one. Well, and I think what really helped with that, I, I think this doesn't get as enough, enough attention, but William Defoe as a villain was just lights out, man. Like, I think your the quality of your villain helps make the movie, and that's one of the reasons I think um, Iron Man 2 sucked ass so much. But anyway... What? Um, I think uh, I think William Defoe was amazing in that movie. Hated Iron Man too, huh? Wasn't a fan. You don't like Rourke? He was so his Whiplash character always kind of reminded me of one of my favorite X Men characters, uh, Omega Red. He was kind of teetering on that. Um, mm -hmm. I always kind of liked that, like the whole Monaco scene. I thought that was pretty cool, but there was a couple couple misses, if you will. Um, the the just the hammer. Um, his character was pretty good. I thought. You know, who's that? Sam uh, Sam Rockwell. I, I yeah. think he's a pretty pretty good actor. You know, he played a pretty good part in that. Mm -hmm. So to play it off, I guess a little differently. We'll keep it. We'll go DC, if you will. Um, who's the? Uh, so I would assume you'd say Superman would be Christopher Reeve, right? You're not going to say Henry Cavill at all, or any of the other guys. You're saying top. You're saying top Superman. Top Superman. Top Batman. Who? If you had to. Oh shit! That's redo, tough. Redo the Batman. Be Superman. If you had to put, I think Cavill did a really good job. I love him you. as Superman. It's just like it's hard to hard to not say that Christopher Reeves wasn't 
your Superman growing up. Like it was, I mean, that's all we watched as kids. I don't know. That's a tough one. Cavill well, is. Dude, we're Cavill talking is, about. We're talking about. Good. I just think Cavill is modern Superman. He plays it perfectly. Like I can't envision anybody else playing the character at this point. I'm just thinking of groundbreaking movies like for 1978, Donner. Fucking Reeves. nailed I mean, it. That made that shit look real, man. I mean, nowadays you can tell they were in front of a projector screen, but even today, it's like that's damn good cinematography for a '78. Like, yes, you will believe a man can fly, and I believed a man could fly. But then number two comes out, and then number three, <laughs> it just it, it went down the building just like Richard Pryor on his skis. You know what I'm saying? Fuck. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I. Though. <laughs> you want to really? Uh compare apples to apples you can't get rid of a mustache <laughs> hey at least the uh, uh, at least the mission impossible movie was good <laughs> <laughs> the movie that brought down that <laughs> shitty justice league movie we'll just say that yeah. man i don't know i'd almost have to uh i don't know i think i, I think i have to go with christopher reeves i just he's still he's still my man um batman is a little harder um here, I'll go first. Yeah. To me, the stuff that I love about Batman is that dark, brooding, grimy-ass shit from Frank Miller, and that's why I gotta go with Ben. And I was presently very, very surprised. I was pissed. I've said that many a times. I was not happy about that pick, but the way that he put on the muscle and the suit played a big part in that. Like You could just tell that Zack pulled that from The Dark Knight Returns, and I think that Ben pulls it. I thought you were George Clooney. I seriously thought you were going to take one. Damn. Good old George. 1A1B, you're just like, I'm flipping a coin over here. Fuck. (laughs) Nipples on the bat suit and all that shit. Jesus. It's going to be nice. I think Pattinson will do a pretty good job, to be honest. I do too. We need another Batman reboot. Hopefully they don't go all the way back to like, oh, he killed my parents, blah, blah, blah. Like, they kind of need to get skip past that part because I think everybody knows that story. Yep. So I think we're right. We could have a whole fucking podcast about how many fucking renditions of that has happened on screen. Between him and Uncle Ben going down. Right. Yeah. I got to agree with you on that one, too. We could watch although I have to, although I have to say I did like just the way um, they did it in the opening scene with oh who was it Negan? <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, fuck. Two Jeffrey Walking Dean Dead Morgan. characters. Yeah, it was Laura Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, Laura Lauren Cohen. Yeah, Lauren. Cohen. Yes. Lauren Cohen. Oh, I'm really struggling with this because obviously Batman's my favorite character. Um. Right. Oh man, I'm trying to think like I, icon wise, what themes were played in each movie to kind of pick out like what's because the I mean Christian Bale did a bang up job. Like I think just the progression of the character and the way that Nolan kind of puts a a period at the end of his series. Like if Batman's like if Batman was going to be done, um, man. the voice ruins it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he did go a little overboard with that with that stuff. Actually, fun fact: who do you uh, who gets the credit for deciding to lower Bruce Wayne's voice when he's playing Batman? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. That's why you wouldn't like, talk to Vicky Vale in the Batmobile. It's like, damn. Mark, who's your favorite uh, Superman and who's your favorite Batman? Oh, Rob, you're not done yet. Sorry. Still got well, so here's my thing. Like, 
I, I think Ben did an amazing job. An amazing job. I, I guess I would like to have more from him. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I'm thinking of the the f- one of the things that was always missing in the Nolan movies was his the the fighting scenes were just done a certain way. I think to just tamper down. I, I don't know why. But that scene where he is rescuing Martha Kent, mm-hmm. the warehouse, like, like, yeah, like that. That is that's like I thought I was watching one of the Arkham video games. <laughs> like it was like that was the shit. Um, so Affleck's up there, but I think kind of like with my Christopher Reeves answer, I I still think Keaton Adam Keaton West. has it. Keaton has it for me. <laughs> no, Adam West. Kevin Conroy gets it before Adam West, in my opinion. God rest his soul. That's right. <laughs> All right, Mark. So, so who's your favorite Superman and who's your favorite Batman? Batman, um, Keaton, and Cobble. Nice. Yeah, those locked and loaded. That's right. <laughs> pew, pew. All right, Dave. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, Thank you so much for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. All right, man. We'll, yeah, we'll talk to you later, you. dude. See have you a good night, sir. Uh, have a good night. Thanks. Okay, that was David Ridgway. That was a good conversation. Yeah, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. I liked his questions at the end there. All right, All right so, so do we, uh, get, do we uh, need to do a countdown? Do we need to do a countdown? Yep. All right, so we are now on number three in the top ten. Mark, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off there, bud? What's your number three? Well, I mentioned it earlier. My, fa- my number three is the Catwoman cataclysm issue. Because she, Catwoman is typically, like I said, she's a cat burglar. and She's only in it for herself. But in this issue, she, in, in the next couple of issues, with Gotham being in the state that it's in, she's reluctantly become kind of like an anti-hero. And she's kind of helping people and being in situations where she's having to contribute and help where normally she'd steal and only look out for herself. And she's having to kind of look out for others and kind of, you know, look out for Gotham in a sense. Because she sees these villains that are doing things that she doesn't agree with. And so she kind of has to put her two cents in it. And so that's a different side of Catwoman that I hadn't seen before. So that's my number three pick. It was Catwoman. Uh, Cataclysm number 57. It came out in May 1998. Nice. Nice. What you got, Rob? So uh, mine's not going to need much discussion, but uh, I'm pretty big on the trades because I'm, I'm kind of going more thematic versus issues. And I have to put, you know, the Watchmen, the Watchmen series is my number three. So uh, that's what I'm going to go with. We've we've talked even more about that tonight with Dave. I think um, just what the story represents and the the endless themes that you can pull out of that and kind of your point earlier, Rich, like, you know, it's kind of like one of those stories where you, you reread it and you, you pick up something different each time. Um, so just the, the quality of the characters, uh, the quality of the writing, um, Watchmen is my number three. Yeah, I got a funny feeling that I'm going to have a, a Watchmen issue when we come down to the wire here. So, But tonight, my number three is Action Comics number 1000. Um, nice. You know, the beginning story with uh, by Dan Jurgens, it's basically what sells me on it. It's basically they're having a Superman Appreciation Day, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And Clark is not about it. He wants to, you know, be on guard. He's stopping an alien invasion and he's real you know hesitant to go to this festival because he's worried about you know them coming back with another ship and uh lois and his son john are there like where's he at what's he doing and all these people come to the podium and they're they're sharing their testimonials about how superman is you know either saved them and uh one guy was a criminal that had a testimonial about how Superman got a hold of him and made him change his life and turn it around. And 
Clark is in the crowd and he keeps scanning it, wondering and come to find out like the Justice League had, you know, taken care of this invasion and Martian Manhunter was blocking uh, telepathically Clark's mind so he wouldn't be able to see what was going on because they, you know, he needed to be present for this event. And at the end of that, that one was all the JLA was there and they were appreciative of him also. And it was, I don't know, it was a cool episode. Another real reason that I really loved this uh, story by Dan Jurgens, it was basically his final um, story on action comics and his writing really, really got me involved and really had me fallen in love with Superman books again when rebirth happened. I'm sure I brought that up on the show a couple times, but uh, I mean, it was so fun to see, all the old characters from back in the death of Superman days, like he did, he brought the Eradicator back, Cyborg, Superman, like it was just really, really fun. And it was like living in the past. And this was kind of Dan's last run right before uh, Brian Michael Bendis started on the book. Because the very end of this issue, it starts Bendis's run on Superman. And uh, there was a lot of really, really cool stories in this book. And um, it's kind of like, you know, Detective 1000 where, you know, it's almost like an annual. Right. Yep. Multiple storylines. Yeah. There was one where this I, I perceived it to be the the hot rod from Action Comics number one on the cover. This guy takes this car to a body shop to have it repaired and he comes out and Superman is there and he's like, you know, I put you up on a flagpole and was going to come back and get you. And it was another one of those life lessons for a criminal. He's like, you know, you have an opportunity and he's in his old like action comics, you know, first issue costume. He's like, you got a chance to turn your life around and I suggest you do it. So it was, I think. Richard Donner was a part of that. Came out in June 2018. Um, and my cover is Dave Gibbons, the artist from The Watchmen. That's the cover I got. And, you know, sketch cover that Ed McGinnis drew for me. So that is my number three pick, Comics 1000. So Nice. Nice cover, too. All right, guys. So I think we should uh, check out that uh, My Comic Shop Country documentary and, and uh, see what we think about that. You guys it's on my good? list. That'll, uh, that'll be exciting. I, uh, there's just so much shit on right now. It'll be nice to watch something like that. Absolutely. All right. Till next time. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Guys, I really appreciate you, uh, listening to us while we're all social distancing on, uh, you know, your podcast listening or watching platform of choice. If you want to, uh, subscribe on Facebook, Heroes Home Base Podcast on Facebook, um, shoot us a comment we'd love to hear about any of your catalogs or what you choose to use also heroes home base um at gmail and if you want to give us a review or a like or a subscribe on your platform as previously mentioned we'd greatly appreciate it Thank you again for listening and supporting this RMR production.